0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, reconnecting to the essence of you. My guest today is Rabbi Pinkas Taylor. He's an American rabbi, a best-selling author and lecturer, and has spoken across the globe in a wide variety of venues. His books, Pillars of Faith and A Jewish Guide to the Mysterious, are great works of insight and scholarship into the spiritual realm. Rabbi Taylor has been called the celebrity life coach for his work with actors, athletes, and other public figures and founded the ARC, a successful faith-based study and coaching program. He's a certified cognitive behavioral therapy practitioner, a certified clinical trauma specialist, a member of the American Counseling Association, and the Association for Conflict Resolution. Wow. He's finally, he's the director of the American Faith Coalition and formerly member of the Governor of Florida Faith Advisory Board. Is a regular contributor on national news outlet, and today a contributor to Back to Basics. Hello, Rabbi Taylor. Welcome to Back to Basics.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Good to be here.
0: Well, I'm 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 very excited and uh, to have a guest like you in such important times because you know we go back really as as the name of my show is Back to Basics of what's important. And so, with that say, I always go to the origin story. Can you tell us a bit about? Your childhood—did you ever dream about becoming a rabbi? What, what what has your journey been like up to the point you're in right now?
1: So I grew up in a secular home in South Florida. I went to public school, I had a typical uh, middle-class upbringing in the in the '80s and '90s. Did all of the things that a young American boy would want to do: play at little league and flag football. I was in Boy Scouts and. Everything like that. And then when I began high school, I started thinking about what I wanted to be when I grow up. Like what is start thinking about college a little bit. What might be some of the things that uh, would I would want to do with my life. And uh, it was the beginning of ninth grade that I started thinking like, what, what, what would I like to do? And it really kind of hit me one day that because I always liked people. I always liked study. I was like, like learning things. I always liked teaching things, and um, I always like spirituality and Judaism, my faith that I grew up in. You, so you stir that in a pot. If you like, you know, if you like faith and you like people and you like teaching, you like learning. That's like okay. Well, rabbi seems like a pretty good mm-hmm. uh, fit. Fit in all of that. And so, um, you know, I finished high school and went to rabbinical school after that, a rabbinical college in New Jersey. Following that, we spent a bunch of years there and got married to my wife up there. Met. Uh, We met uh, each other uh, in the Northeast. We dated in New York. And then we moved back to Florida about 13 years ago. So, um, yeah, that's that's the abridged journey of how it went, of how it went.
0: Well, but I command you because, you know, I have a lot of what we talk in this show is also about how do you find your soul's calling? And it seems to me that you found it quite early. Like it's a ninth grade. You were very wise, I think, for that age to say, okay, what do I like and what do I enjoy? Because we normally go into like the big professions and the big and people, I think they fool themselves, maybe believing that they like, you know, some things. I've heard people say, well, I ask, where do I make the most money? And they follow that career path, which I don't have anything against if that's somebody that, you know, wants to pursue something where they're financially successful, for sure. But, you know, for, for your young age, you know, I think that that's great that you put all those ingredients and mix them up. And for what I understand, I mean, you, you're also are an author of two books. And, and so let's talk a little bit about the books, because uh, for what I read, you know, it's uh, they're very compelling in terms of the of the content. And I'm Catholic myself, but I read many books about Judaism and Buddhism, and I think that interfaith learning is super important. I believe, even as we want to move into a more conscious world and awareness world where we can all coexist, understand it, and everybody, you know, can have different. Uh, spiritual practices, beliefs, whatever. So I want I want a little bit your point on that, especially in times like this when we all know we're living again conflicts that are, you know, arise from, how would you say, almost like inability to uh, coexist in terms of, of faith and, and beliefs.
1: Sure. So yeah, I think I think you're I think you're right that um you know becoming a more spiritually minded person, uh looking past Sort of the veil of the physical world and developing a connection with or sort of bringing out your connection that already exists with the spiritual world is something very beneficial for, for every human being on the planet. One of the things that I think is important to, for, for a person to view their relationship with God is, is as that, as a relationship. And I like to promote the idea. That the teachings that that I share with people are about developing relationship, not religion, per se, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I don't and I don't mean that as a knock on religion. Religion is something that I believe to be a very good, uh, uh, you know, positive good uh, for the planet. Uh, but uh, the idea is rather than being sort of trapped in some of the uh, mindsets of the faith that you happen to have grown up with. Uh, to focus on the relationship with god and one of the things that as you know we talked about a little bit about my story one of the things that was so intriguing to me about judaism or or the or the torah mindset let's call it was that judaism doesn't seek converts many many faith traditions their goal is to make everybody like them like you know we're respectful of everybody, but if we if we could, we want everyone to be just like us. We would want everyone to accept the same doctrines and beliefs that we that we have, and that's and that's fine if that's if that's your thing. But one of the things that was so intriguing to me about Judaism was the don't seek convert. In fact, if somebody seeks to convert, they're almost the way. They're almost like you know it's like whoa, you know, are you sure you want to involve yourself in that? Are you sure you're sure you want to? embrace all aspects of the Jewish faith in your life it can be pretty complicated sometimes. And so the, the Torah actually has a program of sort of spirituality and connection, relationship with God, even for folks that are not a- adherents to the Jewish faith. And so that was something very intriguing to me, especially someone who grew up in a secular lifestyle and had a had not a lot of non-Jewish friends. It was very uh, eye-opening and uplifting to me, comforting to me, in fact, to know that my non-Jewish friends would be okay with God, uh, even where they were at, without converting to the faith that I had chosen to embrace. Mm,
0: Very interesting. Um, And and I think in your book, I'm very curious now, I think I'm going to be one of your readers, A Jewish Guide to the Mysterious, where, you know, you tackle a lot of uh, things in society, you know, that are seen like mysterious and paranormal. And you say that the the curiosity to understand those things, as you say, you know, like dreams, astrology, time travel, travel, alien life, is because um, the soul is inherently, is searching for spirituality. Like that's probably a given. Do you think that that's probably where in today's life that lack, of spirituality is what bringing all these issues that we're having, like mental. Like I see more and more people that would tell you that I'm not religious. It's almost like a badge of honor of mm-hmm. of not being religious, not being attached with anything like that. And yet, never before have we struggled so much with people maybe having a lot of the societal, let's say, milestones for having a happy life. I've interviewed, you know, many people here that billionaires that have said I had it all and I wasn't happy. So I'm interested in, in, in hearing your take about that soul search for spirituality.
1: Sure. I mean, the, the evidence is, is pretty overwhelming and clear that a person who lives a spiritually oriented lifestyle has an overall better sense of well-being. It's just genuinely a happier person. This is not something I'm saying exclusively as a rabbi or as a spiritual leader. The statistics are in Gallup poll after Gallup poll, year after year, shown this to be the case. There's a there's a very interesting. This very interesting woman. Her name is Dr. Sonia Libermirski. She's she's considered like the authority on the on the subject of happiness. I actually had the great pleasure of sitting on a panel with her at a conference this past summer, mm-hmm. and she writes in her book that she doesn't have a religious bone in her body but understands the reality that a person who integrates spirituality, a God-centeredness into their life is going to have a greater sense of well-being. It's just the way that we're wired. And so I, I think when people are using this idea of I'm not religious or I don't believe in organized religion as a badge of honor, okay, I mean, that's, that's fine. You, you're free to do whatever you want. But let's, let's just make sure we're not cutting off our nose to spite our face. I mean, do you, is that, is that something that you are proud of? If that is, then, then great. That's, that's, that's your decision. But the idea I I think is very important to recognize that there is a, an inherent connection between maintaining spiritual beliefs, living a spiritual life, a religiously oriented life and the concept of being of being happy, of being, not having happy like I have these sensations of of joy and good feelings, but like a sustained feeling of well-being, that I feel good, I feel good about the life that I live, I feel purpose-driven, I feel my life is worth something. Those, those are the ideas that undergird our entire life, and we want to make sure that those are in line. So I think having a more spiritually oriented focus in our lives will be helpful for people's Uh, will be helpful for people's overall well-being. And and certainly, I think that as you see the decline of formalized uh, religion over the past few decades, that along with that, you're going to also automatically find as a result that there's going to be people who are less happy, feel less satisfied in life, look to their life as if it's purposeless, um, and struggle with those in those particular areas. I think there can be a healthy balance where a person doesn't have to maybe... Subscribe to all of the uh, dictates of the faith that they grew up in, all the rites and rituals, and have work on more of the relationship aspect of a relationship with God. That that will uh, be that they can have the benefit of living a spiritually oriented life and finding purpose without some of the perceived setbacks or perceived obstacles that uh, their view of religion currently has.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's very powerful and i think important because i feel that some people like because the faith usually is given to us by our families so i i feel there's different categories of individuals right the ones that maybe were given the tools and then they are practicing in their faith and they do have a spiritual practices those that were not were given the tools but not really practice it and they maybe are you know in conflict with do i want to embrace this practice faith, this religion or not. And they kind of stuck in my, in my opinion, sometimes that what, what do I do to really nurture? Like they want to better their spiritual practice, but maybe they're not in alignment with the religion that they were given. So what would your advice be by somebody, to somebody that's listening to this and say, well, yeah, I was uh, uh, raised X, but I don't, I believe in God because then there's that category of people I want to ask about you know, with the ones that don't have that connection with God, that don't even believe that. There are people that say, I believe in God. I just don't know if God is in that church or that synagogue or that institution. Right. But I want to reconnect. What would be, because I know you're also a coach and all that, you know, and and you train, train the soul. I love, I think that's how you, your episode is going to be named. But how would you go around somebody that comes from a different faith than yours, but wants to reconnect? What would your advice be?
1: Sure, well, having gone through a, a sort of that similar process as a teenager um and and not looking back one day since I can give you not only what i what I believe from just sort of a an intellectual view of things but sort of through experience as well. Remember, I grew up in a secular environment and was willing to, to i don't want to say started start square one but willing to question some of the things that I uh, believed and had always and always operate in a certain way. I think that intelligence is not so much the idea of knowing everything but more the ability to question everything that you know. That's what makes a person intelligent. And so what I would what I would recommend for somebody and this is a, a large swaths of of the United States fall into this category of that they believe in God, that they believe a, a creator and sustainer of the universe. They believe that life has a purpose and that they're that they're they play a role in that purpose but aren't sure exactly where to find that and and how to like really connect on that level and they and most people kind of just will either continue going along the lines of whatever they grew up with because after all the traditions and uh, and and family get-togethers that we have we don't want to we don't want to necessarily sever our ties with that it is just familiar to us it's part of it's part of growing up i know i meant i know Uh, Many many folks that grew up in Christianity who don't necessarily believe in all of the doctrines of Christianity, but they still, you know, they like to get together with their families on Christmas and Easter, even on Sundays for lunch or dinner, whatever it is, because those cultural aspects are are important to them. And I, I get that completely. That's, you know, it's completely understandable. But as far as where we're nurturing our soul. Or is where our spirituality and our connection is coming from. I've had many people from many different faith backgrounds seek to study from a Torah uh, perspective, from a Jewish perspective. Not that they want to convert to Judaism, not that that that's their path in life, not that I want them to convert to Judaism, but look towards what we're doing as more of a way to cultivate that relationship with God. Through the wisdom of the Hebrew Bible and scriptural tradition, uh, many many folks from from Christian backgrounds or even Muslim backgrounds or other faith backgrounds recognize that Judaism, uh, in particular, for for Christians and for Muslims, but particular for Christians because we live in a predominantly Christian country in the United States, recognize that their faith was born out of Judaism and want to sort of understand their own connection with God and their understanding of life and purpose through the lens of what their faith was originally based on, which is the Hebrew Bible and scriptural tradition. So I, I would say for a person perhaps to be open to, to, to learning new things and um, certainly from a Torah vantage point, a Jewish vantage point, can certainly help uh, anyone who would want to uh partake in that to be a part of
0: awesome and we'll talk about the art but then let's put because we love a lot of people let, let's talk about the category when you are faced as a rabbi with somebody say i just don't believe in that uh, like that that is not even like a pure a-, a phase where where there's not even that window of opportunity to say well have you considered how we were creators somebody that's simply not engaging with that is is uh is like live and let live kind of thing where or 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 how can they even access uh, the soul wisdom so to speak?
1: Sure. So uh, oftentimes, oftentimes, if a person is honest with themselves, many times the reason that a person says that they don't believe in God isn't because they've studied all the wisdom of world philosophy and and, and religiosity, all, all of these theological uh, depth into the world and have rejected it. It's usually. Ah, uh, quite the opposite. It's usually just they don't have any background in any sort of spirituality uh, in the Jewish community. They were sort of forced to go to Hebrew school by their parents, and after they had their bar or bat mitzvah, they kind of left everything on the wayside and and continue their life with an eleven-year-old's understanding of religion, God, and uh, all faith matters. Uh, I, I would imagine that a similar phenomenon exists in the Christian world as well, where your parents sort of sent you to. Uh, to CCD, or to other religious training institutions, because that's what you, that's what you do, and you want to educate your kids and, and the faith that you believe in, I understand, but usually what happens with some sort of rite of passage ritual, whether we're talking about Barabat Mitzvah, or in, in other faiths called by different names, uh, after that milestone has been completed, then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, Done with that, and you can and you continue living your life in your thirties, your forties, your fifties, all the way up with an eleven-year-old understanding of your faith. And so you say, "Well, I don't believe in God," or "We we can never believe in God," or "I'm agnostic," or you know, you have different titles and different ideas uh, for that you choose for various reasons. But a lot of times, it's just because the person never really, never really explored, never really had the opportunity to to understand why is it that these people that consider themselves quote-unquote religious, why are these God-believers, why do they believe in God? You know, a Jewish person, and I say he he grew up in a a Jewish family and uh, falls into this category, didn't didn't really um, continue on all that much after his bar mitzvah, now he's in his 50s. And he said that he read my book, Pillars of Faith, and he finally understand. He said, for the first time in his life, he, he didn't become super religious overnight or whatever. But after reading the book, he at least understood why it is that those who are religious believe what they believe. In other words, mm-hmm. it, it it puts it put the sort of reasoning. It, with It's called a reasonable approach to to Torah. A reasonable approach to Judaism. He at least understood why those who believed. Why they believed. And it sort of presents the ideas and arguments, uh, why it would make sense to believe in God, and why it makes sense to believe that God revealed himself in the sense of revealed his will of what he wants from human beings, and all of these sort of basic tenets of the Jewish faith, why why that would be the thing that would be <laughs> believed. And so that's what I would challenge someone who is an atheist to 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 consider, perhaps perhaps your understanding is minimal, and to maybe explore, maybe find a local uh, synagogue or a local religious institution that is open to people who are finding their faith later in life or want to rediscover their faith later in life. There there are plenty out there. Uh, I can certainly even help you find some in your own area. But if that's the idea, then even somebody who didn't grow up subscribe to religious beliefs they may be in for a fun surprise an interesting surprise and a meaningful surprise in their lives when they find out there's a lot more to god faith religion whatever uh spirituality than they had previously considered
0: mm, great advice and 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 if anything i mean I will have the your YouTube channel on the show notes. But uh, I would I would encourage my listeners to check it out because I saw some of the videos and they are, you know, very quick and short and sweet. And uh so let's uh for example, Rabbi Taylor has produced uh short videos on what's a soul in two minutes. You know, if you can give us that pitch on on here, I would love it.
1: Sure. So I mean like the term soul is thrown around quite a bit, the way that we may want to think about it sort of an easy way to, to recognize what is it when we say soul, it sounds so mysterious, so ethereal, what would be the way in which we could sort of get a grasp? So what I would recommend is that all those that are watching just do a, a little experiment with me, and if you close your eyes and you think to yourself about, imagine yourself looking back at yourself in the mirror, but rather than your current self looking back at you, I want you to picture just for a moment your 15-year-old self looking back at you. You may look very different right now uh, than you did when you were 15. When you were 15, you may have had pimples, you may have had braces on your teeth, there are all sorts of physical distinctions that you look very different than who you are now. Question is, which one of those is the real me? And if you backtrack another five years to your 10-year-old self, or even back 10 years to your five-year-old self, you're going to see again a very different image than even your 15 year old self. I've been in I've been in some people's homes where, you know, the mother has uh, pictures of their children at various stages in life like going up the staircase. So at the bottom is, you know, the birth picture and uh the, the next picture is the preschool graduation picture and then a uh bar bat mitzvah picture and then a high school graduation picture and a college graduation, a wedding picture. And if you didn't know any better, you saw those 10 pictures of the same person, you might think that that's 10 different people. But it's really the same person, but we look different at every stage of our lives, and 20 years from now, we're gonna look different as well. Question is, which one of those is the real me? Physically, we're constantly changing. And you could take it even a step further, by the way, that many of the cells in our body die and replenish themselves over the course of several years. So many of the cells that make you you that were in your body when you were 15 years old are not the same cells that are in your body right now. So if you think about it, the person that you were doesn't just look different at 15. In many ways, you were a different person when you were 15 or when you were five or 20 years from now as well. So physically, we're constantly changing, okay? Which one is the real me? Now, if I take it back, if I take it even a bit deeper, okay, let's say emotions the things that make a person happy or sad or excited, uh, scared, whatever it is now are probably very different than they were when you were fifteen, right? The things that make you happy, sad, and excited now are different than they were then, and when you were fifteen, they're different than you they were when you were five. They may be different. 20 years from now, the things that make you happy, sad, excited, or scared. Okay, well, which one is the real me? Which one? So physically, I'm constantly changing. Emotionally, I'm constantly changing. Works the same way intellectually as well. I think about things differently now than I did when I was 15. Probably might think about things differently 20 years from now as well. So my physical appearance is constantly changing. My emotional self, constantly changing? Intellectually, constantly changing? Which one of those along the way is the real me? How do I even know when I'm looking in the mirror that it's me looking back at me? (laughs) And so what we would say is that there is a place of permanence within every single person. There's an us that lives inside of us, an unchanging aspect of ourselves. And we would call that, in using religious terminology, we would say that that's the soul. That is the soul, the you that lives inside of you, a, a, a place of permanence that remains you from the time that you're born till the time that you die, and never changes. And you'll always know that it's you looking back at you because that's a place of permanence. Now, what's interesting, just to kind of piggyback on this idea, what's interesting is that the soul, being a thing of permanence, only wants things that are of the soul and that have permanent value to them, have permanent pleasure attached to it. So what I mean by that is that all the pleasures that we usually chase after, much like the body, are fleeting pleasures. So Mm -hmm. a person eats a hamburger, uh, five minutes later, the enjoyment of that hamburger is over. Uh, same thing with a car or whatever it is. That dream car that you always want your entire life, when you finally get it, it's exciting for a week, two weeks, a month, you know, maybe a little mm-hmm. longer, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. But after that, it's just a car. And all, likewise, all of the physical pleasures that we have in our life are like the physical aspect of ourself. They're very limited, they're fleeting, they're changing. And so what my soul wants what the permanent spot in my, in me wants are things that have lasting value, permanent value. In fact, when you do a good deed for another person, that is something that no one can ever take away. You'll always have done that thing. And the experience that you got and the impact that you left will always be. So things like spiritual connection, love, relationships, good deeds, that is something that transcends ourselves. But true love, is something that never goes away either. You, you can still love someone who has passed away because the love doesn't go anywhere. That soul connection that you shared never goes anywhere. And mm-hmm. so things of the spirit is what brings the soul to a place of joy. And so as many fleeting experiences, fleeting sensations of joy as you try to pursue from the physical world, you're not going to have that when it comes, it's not going to impact you in a deep way to have a sense of happiness or well-being. You're gonna have, again, fleeting sensations of happiness, but that overall sense of happiness, a sense of well-being, a sense of just joy and and, and satisfaction with your life, you're not gonna have that unless a person has a spiritual connection, is in touch with their soul and the needs of their soul. Mm,
0: beautiful explanation. Thank you for that. It's, uh, amazing. So no wonder you created this program called the Arc. So as uh, you know, just uh, as we finish, I definitely want you to highlight it because that's a faith-based program, and 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 where you also coach. So tell us a little bit about uh, the Arc.
1: Sure. So mm-hmm. the Arc, the Arc program was started about six years ago, and the goal of the Arc program is to help people either begin or enhance their relationship with God. It's plain plain and simple. It's obviously through the lens of the Hebrew Bible and scriptural tradition, but the goal is to help people understand and embrace their relationship with God, no matter what their faith background is. I was shocked over the years, since I'm 15, uh, seeing how many people so eagerly want to Enhance their relationship and understanding and connection with God in that way. And how much, how many people there are that, that appreciate the spiritual contributions of Judaism and want to further understand their, their self and their mission through the lens of the Jewish faith without converting and without all of the, the sort of rituals involved, but the wisdom, the understanding of what the Jewish faith has added to this world is, is, is beyond the, is beyond repetition. And so I was shocked by how many people wanted, and they, they would, they would read a book here and there, they read some articles online, but as far as I knew, never had they had the opportunity to actually explore it with the guidance of a rabbi, no matter what their faith background is, no matter what their geographical location is. This is your opportunity to understand your relationship with God as explained from the Hebrew Bible and, and scriptural tradition from the Jewish faith perspective, um, to enhance your own faith. And we've had several thousand people at this point become members. We we try to make it into an ongoing community that is that is growing over time we've had people there since the beginning who've been there all six years uh, we've had people try it out for a month and then and and then they got what they were looking for and uh you know that was their choice so it, it really kind of depends on the person what they're trying to get out of it but um, we we have we have the program accessible and we currently have have sitting over 500 members con- uh, contemporary members uh, oh, wow. and so yeah so we we study on a daily basis, Monday through Thursday. It's only about 15 minutes. So it's very easy to, uh, listen and, and keep up with. You can watch and tune in and ask questions whenever, whenever it's convenient for you. So you don't have to schedule it, uh, at a specific time, a specific whatever. And yeah, we've, we've, we've helped a lot of people grow in their understanding and relationship with their spiritual self.
0: Well, I commend you for um, embracing also the power of technology and, and you know I know you' you have a strong social media presence because I do feel that there are spiritual leaders out there that some of them resisted and rather than embracing it to bring awareness, to bring to connect to you know like they say when the student is ready, the master shows up and and right now I feel that there's more and more people. Like trying to find, I'm surprised and I don't make, I don't monetize my podcast, but over two after 200 episodes taped, you know, I'm always surprised how many texts or emails or comments I get from somebody like that episode just did it for me today. Thank you for taping it. And I think that's just how we create ripple effect. Like with everybody contributing however they can to bring these content Uh, to the world so that whomever needs it can access it so anything else before i make my last question of the show which is the same one but anything else you're working on that you want to highlight that we haven't discussed i always give my guests like an open opportunity to showcase anything that we missed
1: the only thing i think that i'm that i'm working on right now i'm working on another book and the, the goal of the book is to sort of frame current uh, political climate that current, uh, in particular, social issues uh, that have become such a such a fixture of debate and and discord uh, over the past probably several decades at this point. But to sort of frame them in the context of spirituality, in particular, of mm-hmm. the of the sort of Jewish perspective on things, uh, how to view it from the biblical context or from the from a, a centered God context, as explained in the Hebrew Bible or and in, in scriptural tradition, as opposed to just knee-jerk uh, associating with whatever political party you affiliate with.
0: Hmm. Well, I, I, I like that you're doing that because we do need highly educated intellectual people that are looking for, you know, the global, the common goodness of, you know, the to bring perspective because I'm with you. Like uh, I know it's uh, having a guest like you in the current times. I didn't, I don't want, I wanted to give people what they need to train their soul, to connect uh, because there are certain, you know, as painful as they are certain things we are living as a world that that are definitely polarizing and And you see how it's really, I think, uh, good and evil are everywhere and they are really uh, fighting and not on any particular side, I do believe um, that in each of us, there's both components. We, we all have, you know, the, the bad and the good are always in constant conflict. And I think that's part of the human evolution in terms of how we, we try to be better. But uh, so I definitely will be on the, I think it will be a great book to read. And uh, so my last question is always about what makes my guests tick. So I mean, I'm sure that prayer and, and you know, the spiritual, Aspect, but when you feel, you know, the and you need to resource yourself, is there anything else that makes you tick that is your go to activity or, or practice? Uh,
1: as far as like hobbies or? Um, yeah, I mean, it could
0: be anything. Anything that when you do it, you say yes, like this is, I, I can see that a uh, young person, like it's always when you do it, you find a little bit of
1: yourself in it. Well, I, I, I certainly think. Listen, I, I believe that we're all here for a reason. And in the same way that no two people have the same fingerprints, no two people have the same mission. And the more we can sort of capitalize on what our mission, our, meaning our talents, our passions, our abilities are, uh, then we, we really feel like that's, that's where, that's where I line up. So when, when I'm, when I'm speaking to large groups of people in particular, when there's a large audience, I, I, really feel like I'm in my state of flow, uh, where just enjoy being with the crowd and, and teaching or talking about something that's important to everybody, uh, in their lives. Uh, that is something that, that gets me going. I, I believe that we're all ambassadors of life. You know, we do have that struggle. There's the selfless part of ourself. There's also the selfish part of ourself. And life is basically a journey of trying to, uh, maintain a balance of, uh, and, and overcome the selfish part of ourself making ourselves beyond self, right? Beyond, beyond self, being selfless as much as we can. And being that we're all ambassadors of light, everyone has a responsibility to add light to the world. And you mentioned the very difficult times that we currently find ourselves and I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, the, the key, though, I think to remember is that we don't fight darkness directly, that the way in which darkness disappears is through the adding of light. And so if we all act as torchbearers and add the light then that certainly is going to be something that is going to make the darkness go away automatically.
0: Mm. Well, I definitely thank you for shedding your light in, the, in our show. And uh, it's been very inspirational. I feel, I feel replenished after a conversation like this, Rabbi Taylor. So thank you so much. And to all of you on there, all the relevant information and context to the ARC and the books uh, that Rabbi Taylor has written it will be on the show notes. Thank you all. And until a new episode of Back to Basics.
1: Bye-bye. Thanks so much Thank for having you. me. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe. Rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.